Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. All right. Praise God. It's so good to see you today. Hey, do me a favor. Stand on your feet before you get too comfortable. We're going to go through, and we're, we always have a keynote verse that's the foundation of the direction that we, we go. And, and for this series, the, the verse the Lord's given us is Psalms chapter 105, verse 19. And, and my encouragement to you is to not just let it be a verse that we read at the beginning of service, but let's memorize it. Let's grab onto it. It's a wonderful reminder. We're studying the life of Joseph and specifically, 10 tests that the Lord walked Joseph through that grew his character and enabled his character to support his dreams. And I love seeing, you know, we have a board in the lobby here and at the Cape Campus, and that those boards are filling up with dreams that God is stirring on the hearts of, of our community. And so when you walk by, if the Lord's stirring a dream in your heart, write it on the board. Or maybe you have, and as you walk by and you look at some of the dreams that that, that people are writing, just pray life over them. Say, God, let it be. Lord, be glorified through these things that you're speaking. You know, there's something so powerful about a dream that God puts in our heart. Dreams enable us to see beyond our, our present circumstances. They enable us to to act in ways that aren't exactly rational. And your life of faith that the Lord has for you is a life of risk. It's not a life of comfort. And as God puts these dreams in our hearts, when we, we stir those up and we allow the Lord to bring them in front of us, we'll be led to places where we won't just stay in comfortable spots, but we'll step into risk and do irrational things. I shared last week that one of the dreams that I had was to play in the NBA. And people laugh when I say that. I don't, I don't understand that part. But, uh, but, but I grew up in, in Minnesota. And so one of the things that I would do in the, middle, in the middle of winter in Minnesota, I would be out in our driveway shooting hoops, just working on my game in the middle of winter until I couldn't feel my fingers. And then I had to go inside. And so dreams that God puts in our heart, it enables us to do things that aren't exactly rational, to see beyond where we are today, to see beyond our age and our circumstance, no matter how old or young we are. Psalms 105, verse 19 says these words, Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Psalm 105, verse 19. Will you say that with me? Say Psalm 105, verse 19. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Psalm 105, verse 19. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. Grow our character. Lord, thank you that you're the giver of dreams. Thank you, God, that you see so much more and have so much more for our lives than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And so we rest in you today, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead, find your seats. Tell your neighbor if you need to, don't fail this test. Last week, we talked about the pride test and how that, that when we walk in pride, it will run us into places that we don't want to be. Pride puts us in opposition to the Lord. And yet, it is a test that we have to take, not just once, but in so many seasons of our life. It seems like, and especially in times where we're promoted and the Lord's favor is on our lives and He moves us into great places, that test comes back and it's a test that we have to pass. And we watched how, how Joseph received a dream, and, and God spoke so blatantly that there is leadership on your life. He told Joseph, there's leadership on your life. And Joseph's immaturity and his pride caused him to speak and to talk about it in ways that did not glorify God, did not point to God, but pointed to himself. And he ran things into this place of division. And we're going to pick this, this story up in Genesis 37, it's not going to be on the screens, and so if you, if you want to follow along, follow along on your, either your tablet, your phones, whatever you read the word on, or if you have your Bible with you. We're going, to, we're going to be in Genesis 37. We'll pick it up in verse 18 here in just a minute, but I want to give just a little context to where things have gone uh, since we left off. So last week we talked about the dream and how Joseph began to take that dream and just rub it in his older brother's faces. And things have, have continued to go in a negative direction. Now, most theologians believe Joseph and his brothers have been physically separated by their father. Jacob has separated them and, and kept Joseph from them because things were at such a bad place, and, and we'll see that. Joseph can't help but just open his mouth again and again and again and run his brothers crazy, just drive them crazy with what he's saying and how he saw himself. And we're going to see what pride does, because pride will always bring us to a place of the pit. It will lead our lives to a place of the pit. When we do not pass the pride test, we will find ourselves in the pit test. And really, there's not a, a one of us here that, that will, will has, have escaped this in our life. We all have found ourselves in a place that, that we would say, that, that was a pit place of my life. This was a place where things just seemed, everything was crashing in, and my life was at a place I didn't want it to be. I don't know how I got here, and I'm in, in a big need of help. I remember being at, at Oral Roberts University, and Oral Roberts was a, was a great school. It was a great experience for, for uh, Anna and I both, but um, I liked it because when I got there, there was a four-to-one ratio of female to male. And I like those ratios. I was like, okay, I'm in a good place. Fast forward a little bit, and I found myself miserable in relationships because I had dated, and I knew what, what the dream that God had put in my heart of the type of person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And I was running from the Lord, and I had surrounded myself with people that were doing the same. And so I found my life in this pit place where I didn't see any hope. I, it was the loneliest I, I, I remember being, being in a school where there was a four-to-one ratio and feeling like I'm never going to meet someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And the issue was my pride. 
The issue was how I saw myself. The issue was that I did not have the character to support a relationship that, that the dream of my heart knew that I, that I wanted to have. My character w- was too weak. Fast forward a little bit. I now know and have met the woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with. Her name was Anna D. Davis. The D stands for dangerous. So <laughs> I met Anna. And listen, the, the pit got worse because even though I met the woman that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, my character was still not strong enough to support it. And so I ruined it, ran that relationship into the ground. My pride brought me to the pit. And it was an even worse place. Now knowing the character of Anna and, and how I, I, wasn't, I wasn't confused about that. That was the woman I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And yet my pride had run me into this place that I no longer had that opportunity. But the wonderful thing is God rescues us from the pit. And Joseph finds himself in a pit. His pride runs him into a pit. And there's some things that I want us to see. And so Jacob has separated Joseph from his brothers. And then he sends him on this peacekeeping mission. He says, hey, I want you to go visit your brothers They're taking care of the herds. They're they're shepherds. They're taking care of of all the flocks. Go visit them and ask them, find out how they're doing. Why would he send a 17 or 18-year-old to go find out how a bunch of 20 and 30-year-olds, maybe even Reuben was the, the oldest. He was either past his 40s or around that. Joseph didn't. He wasn't going to be any help to them. Jacob is trying to, to bring some peace to his family. He sends him, says, go, go see how they're doing. Go ask them how they're doing. And so Joseph goes to do so. And so we'll pick this up. This is Genesis chapter 37, verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. All right, let's stop there. How did they recognize him? We saw last week that because of the place of favor that Joseph had with his father, he was given a coat that no one else has. He was given a gift. Our father, your father, gives us gifts. He fills our lives and he has gifts that he places in our lives that are there to glorify him, that are there to point to him. And we're going to see how Joseph, he uses this gift not to point to the relationship that he has with his father, but to point to himself. I mean, Joseph is the guy that he's wearing this coat, June in Florida, and he's rocking it out in front of everybody. He wants you to know how gifted he is. He wants everyone to know, do you know I have a prophetic gift? Do you know that I should be on a platform? Do you know how good I can sing? This is the gift that God's given me. Do you know about it? And his brothers were done with it. They were tired of it. So verse 19 says, or or the end of verse 18 says, As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns or pits. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Verse 21, But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. 
Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Now listen to this part. Reuben was secretly planning two things. To rescue Joseph and to bring him back to his father. Reuben is the firstborn. Reuben is the oldest. His responsibility is to live out the heart of his father. He is to live in proxy for his father. He is to respond in every situation the way that his father would have responded. And so he attempts to do so, convinces his brothers, hey, don't kill him. We'll throw him into a pit. Secretly planning, Reuben is planning, I'm going to rescue him and I'm going to bring him back. Trying to live out the heart of his father. This is his responsibility. Reuben as, as the firstborn. The story continues, and we, we see what happens with Joseph is somehow Reuben goes away. Joseph is stripped of his coat, thrown into a pit. Reuben is missing. His brothers sell him to some slave traders that are coming by. And when Reuben returns, Joseph is gone, and now the situation has changed. And so they tear up his coat, cover it with the blood of a goat, and bring it back to Jacob and tell him or ask him, is this your son Joseph's coat? Fabricating evidence for a lie that Jacob lives from. So the story takes this this very sad, tragic turn for this family. But it's in this pit that we see the direction and the trajectory of Joseph's life and the dream that God had put in his heart. It changes. It goes from going nowhere, from having no hope, to somehow being thrown in a pit changes everything. And so this is a reminder for us in the worst of the circumstances, in the hardest of times, in the biggest messes that we run ourselves into, God uses those times for life change. The pit is not a bad place for us. It is a place for life change. There's three things I want to talk to us today about what I believe happened in Joseph's heart in the pit that changed the trajectory of his life because it all changed from this point. Everything that we see from this point was the hand of God on his life. Joseph's pride stopped being in the way of his life. His arrogance and his fixation with himself and the gifts that he had, it goes away. There was pride. There was an old man that was left in that pit and what came out of that pit was a different guy. And so what happened in the pit? The first thing that I believe happened in the pit is what I'm going to call real talk. Can you say real talk? And say, what's real talk? Real talk is when you get honest with yourself. You see, every single one of us have, have had times that trauma has been inflicted on us. Joseph could have stayed in that pit and said, you know what? This is them. They didn't know how to handle my gift. They didn't know how to deal with my charisma and my leadership. They're intimidated by me. They're jealous of me. And so the only reason I'm here is because of them. He could have embraced a victim mentality and said, it's all them. It's not me. But he he didn't do that. 
You know, the parallel that I see in the New Testament, Jesus tells the, the parable of the, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And again, we have division in a family. Again, we have an older brother that, that stays with the father, a younger son that goes and is doing his own thing, living by pride. And Jesus tells this, this story, this parable, and we, we see that the, the younger son living by pride just wastes the gifts of his father. But there's a moment where he said that he, he came to himself. His mind began to have real talk. He began to say, hey, you know what? I bear the responsibility for the mess that I'm in. This is the real talk that Joseph had. He could have stayed there and just blamed everything on his father or his, his brother and said, I'm, I'm here because of them. But at a certain point in that pit, he said, I bear this responsibility. It was my pride that got me here. I am in this pit because of my mess. And for you today, you, you may be in a place where, where circumstances of your life, there is some, some links to what others have done to you. But I'm telling you today, you will never get out of that pit unless you have real talk with yourself and you own the places that you alone have to own. That place of going, I have to be open and honest and own the pride that I've lived with. This is what Joseph did. He didn't hide from it. He didn't run from it. In that pit, he said, this is me. And these are, these are the steps that change the direction of his life and our life. The second thing that I believe happened in that pit was that he began to recognize and there was a difference in value that he began to see for the gifts over his life. He began to see what the real gifts were. You see, he had lost this gift that he was given. He had lost this picture of favor that the father had given him, that Jacob had given him, this coat that everywhere he went, it immediately said, he is the favored son. He lost it. You may ask, well, Josh, are you telling us that we can lose the gifts that, 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 that God gives us? Yes, I am. I'm not saying that the Father removes them, that He takes them back. I am saying that if we live our life by pride, we will lose the gifts that God has given us. The gifting and the gifts that God has filled our lives with cannot function with pride. Pride will run us into a pit where we lose our gifts. doesn't matter what, what, how great a pastoral gift or how great a business gift, how great of an administration gift that you have, how great of a prophetic gift that we have. Pride will cause us to lose those gifts. But I believe that it was in that pit that Joseph began to think differently about that gift. I believe that he began to value his gifts differently. Instead of just looking at a coat, he began to see, hey, the value isn't that gift. The value is the gift giver. It wasn't the sign of favor that I had. It is the favor that I did have with the Father. I had this special place to be able to be in relationship with the Father. And this is what pride causes us to do. It gets our attention on the gifts and not the giver of the gifts. Our hearts have to be open and in this place of value where the value of our lives is not built on the gifts and the abilities that fill our lives, but the giver of those gifts and those abilities. This is what is available to us in the pit. 
Joseph began to think differently about the gifts that filled his life. The last thing that, that I believe that came out of the pit that we see this shift in Joseph's life is that we see a real rescue. We see Joseph brought out from a place, and, and I mentioned it before, but, but I, wanna, I just want to spend some time on this. Reuben, Reuben was the, the older brother. His responsibility was to live with the heart of the Father. Jesus tells the parable in Luke 15 of the two brothers. And we can look at that and see, and, and, and see that, the, that the failure of the older brother was how he responded when the younger brother came home and the younger brother was brought back to a place of favor with the father. And he responds in jealousy and responds with the focus on himself. But I want to submit to you that there was an even greater failure in that. Because as the firstborn, his responsibility was not just to remain at home doing what he was supposed to do, but his responsibility above that was to live with the heart of his father. And we see blatantly that the heart of the father was one to out, that was out to seek and to save his son that was lost. The older brother's failure wasn't just in how he responded when the younger brother came home. His failure is that, that he stayed home in the first place. And he wasn't out there rescuing his brother who was lost in this lifestyle of pride. He failed as the firstborn. Reuben fails as the firstborn. We don't know what happened, but we know that he planned. His heart was in a good place. He wanted to rescue Joseph. He wanted to stop what was happening. And yet he failed as the firstborn. He failed as, as the one that was, that was charged and given the responsibility of living with the Father's heart. He failed. And I wonder how Joseph thought about it. You know, there, there's something in us that, that is, is a wonderful dynamic to, to the older brother relationship. I have two younger siblings, and, and we have some fun experiences that they love to tell some of these stories. When my brother was really young, he had an eye that, that was crossed, and so he had to have a couple of surgeries, and he had to, ha he had to wear really thick glasses. And, and while he was in the middle of that, there was a time where there were some kids playing outside of, of my parents' church. And I really don't remember too much about this, but my brother loves to tell the story of how one individual, one particular kid, was making fun of him and was just riding him. And, and he, my brother Tim will tell the story that, that I stepped in, and not only did, did I step in and stop him from what he was saying, but I led this kid away from everybody else, and then I just punched him in the face. See, like, look at this. Everyone's like, yeah, way to go. Violence. That's it. <laughs> and, then, and then there's another that my sister loves to tell. She was so mad at me at the time. But one of her boyfriends that I didn't know was her boyfriend, I found out about it. And then we were eating together. And it, it didn't go good. I wasn't really happy with him. But what was I doing? I was protecting my sister. And there was this, this responsibility. It was one of those things that after it happened, 
Um, I had to meet with the teacher. I had to be out of school for a little bit. <laughs> One of those things, everyone's like, oh, this, this is a violent pastor. <laughs> But it was one of those things that afterwards, my dad, you know, it was one of those conversations where he was like, you really shouldn't have done that. I'm so angry with you. Our hearts long for that kind of protection. Our hearts want to be protected. You know, one of the things that happens as we experience trauma in life is that there are lies that we believe. We go through these times where we should be protected, we should be covered, and we're not. And so we begin to believe lies. And this is one of the main plans of the enemy. He loves to fabricate evidence, actual evidence. I want you to think about Jacob. Jacob held actual evidence in his hand. He held actual evidence and believed a lie based on real evidence. And this is what the enemy does. I see it in marriages all the time where they get in hard times. We can get in these difficult times and we start believing lies that we have evidence for. Well, we're just not that compatible. It's, it's you know, we're, 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 we're just, we don't have the same interest. I would be, I would, it would go better, it would be easier if I was with someone with similar interest. Fabricated evidence from the enemy. It's fabricated evidence. His purpose is to get us to believe a lie based on hard circumstances of our life. So we can look at these things and say that, you know what, if we married people that were like us, it'd be, we'd be miserable. We would be miserable. God gave us an incredible gift of, of the covenant of marriage with someone that is different than us because it works the, the ugly out of us. It puts us in this place where we have to serve someone who thinks differently than we do. We have to honor someone and treat someone with respect that sees things a little differently and we're face to face with the reality I may not have the clearest vision on this all the time. It's a beautiful gift of marriage. And so the enemy wants to fabricate evidence. And so many times we go through trauma and we go through hard circumstances. And we weren't protected. We had no one to stand up for us. No one to say what should have been said. And so then we believe a lie that I have to protect myself. If I don't lead this thing, if I don't, I don't look out for number one, it's going to go bad. And the best gift that the pit gives us is that we would know Jesus as our rescuer. You see, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 tells us that you and I have an older brother. It says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And where Reuben failed and Reuben went off and when devastating circumstances happened to Joseph and Reuben was gone, Jesus did not go off. He was not absent in the moment of rescue that was needed for you and I. And where the older brother in Luke 15 failed and he just stayed home and stayed where it was safe with his focus on himself, Jesus laid down everything so that you and I would know his rescue. 
He is the older brother that steps in to rescue you and I from the pit that we run ourselves into. He does not fail. You know where confidence comes from? God's created you and I to, to live this life with confidence. He's created you to, to do what he's called you to do, to step into the dreams that he's stirring in your heart. But confidence only comes by knowing that he has moved you into those places. The rescue from the pit is the first step of this. When we see Joseph step into his dreams, when he looks back at this pit moment, he doesn't look back at what his brothers had done. He looks at the faithfulness of Jesus to rescue him. He said, it was God that did this. It was God that rescued me from this pit. It was God that saw more with my life than I could see with my own eyes. Jesus is the older brother that is there to stand up, to speak up, and to rescue you and I from the pit of our lives. I want to pray for you today. And if you would, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And, and, and that, that may feel like church tradition for some of you if you're new I just want to remind you, we, we do this because this is a moment of response. If you're online, this is a moment of response. This is between your heart and God's. He wants you to know Him as the older brother. He wants you to know Him as the one that does not fail, that doesn't go absent when we are in need of rescue. He wants you to know Him as the speaker of truth when we have believed the lies of the enemy, the fabricated evidence. So my question for you today is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What is He speaking to your heart? The pit that we run ourselves into, it, it looks different for all of us. But the response is the same honest with ourselves, we lay down our pride we recognize that the value of our lives is our place with the Father and that we know ourselves as someone who has been rescued by the hand of Jesus I'm going to pray over you and, and I'm going to at this time I'm going to ask our prayer team to make their way to the front. And as they do that, I, I just want to encourage you, let today be a day of response. If God's speaking to you and He's dealing with you and you know that He's speaking to your heart, respond today. We want to pray with you. Our heart is that, that the culture of our church would be one where it's easy to receive prayer. This should be the easiest place to receive prayer. Doesn't mean that you're messed up. It means that God is dealing with your heart and we want to encourage you in that. Lord, I thank you for every single one. Lord, thank you for the way that you see our lives. God, I ask you today to fill every heart with courage. Lord, stir 
that vision for what you've called them to. Lord, help them see beyond the pit places that their, their lives have been run into. God, help us see beyond what we think, the areas that we think we're stuck, but you see as the, the moments that our life takes a, a great change of direction, that you step in and you change it all. Lord, thank you for meeting us in these times. Lord, I pray that they would know you with the new value, that the relationship with you is greater than any gift. And God, they would know their lives as those that have been rescued by the hand of Jesus. Lord, we worship you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.